Man, thank you, Paul. Man, hey, listen, I'm just going to give you a heads up now. We, we were over at Pastor's house yesterday when he was bringing those briskets out, right? Now, A, I'm from Texas. B, I'm a carnivore by nature, all right? I got two sharp teeth in the front of my face that God put there. Those are for ripping and tearing meat, not salad, all right? So when Pastor kept, and he just kept bringing these briskets out, he had been cooking them all this time. Then he's got his knife, and he is slicing those bad boys. And it is just, you're seeing the juices just, it wasn't like dried brisket, man. It was, it, people were getting healed watching that, all right? I'm, I'm just saying. So your pastor's sitting here going, I have food that you know not of, right? And so... He's just done a fantastic job. And so we got to sit. We had just had lunch, right? We were over at the purple iguana, the red iguana. Okay, him too. We were over there, man, having a great. And so we are like stuffed, but we had, Trevor was horrible, man. He, brother just kept, I was like, dude, no, that, that's not a piece. That's a whole, that's brisket. And so we just kept snacking on it. So if this message goes really short, there's a reason why. I'm ready I'm ready to get after that brisket action. It was looking good. Hey, let me share this before we even really start diving in. If you got a pulse, you got a purpose. When I hear men say, I think I missed God's call, I think I missed God's purpose, I say to you, take a breath. Because if you got a pulse, you got a purpose. The truth is, God is so stinking in love with you. Jesus is so in love with you. He'd love to bring you home right now. And he would if the Father didn't have a purpose. And so for the mere fact that you just took a breath again, I want to remind you, Philippians 1.6, God's not done with you yet. And you can sit here and say, well, Scott, I'm 93 years old. And I'm saying, do you have a pulse? then God's got a purpose. We can have times in our life where we feel like maybe we've messed up from our last session. Maybe we've messed up so much that we've missed God's purpose. Or that God can't use us because we've disqualified ourselves. Man may do that, but not God. See, I learned that lesson several years ago. I had left a left a youth ministry church that I was at and inside of that city, you know, people knew us, they knew our church, we were doing all these huge things. And then I got to seminary. And when I went to seminary, all of a sudden now I'm just standing here with 4,000 other people just like me. I'll be honest, I didn't feel special anymore. I didn't really feel like God had a purpose for me because I'm just kind of like, one of everybody else. And I remember going to God and asking God, do you still have a purpose for me? Do you still have a place for me? Because I don't feel like you really got a purpose anymore. And it was probably only a couple of weeks after that that my wife was pregnant with our, our third son. 10.45 at night, my wife looks at me and goes, uh, hey, I'm in the mood for ice cream. I said, me too. When you go, get me chocolate. 
How many of y'all know you don't say that to a pregnant woman? She said, I'm pregnant. You're getting ice cream. I was like, so be it. All right. Now, the seminary man where, where I attended, I, the way we described it is it's a rose in the middle of a thorn bush. In other words, it was a horrible neighborhood. A lot of crime in that neighborhood. Credible seminary, presence of God, but tough neighborhood. So that night, 1045, I go, drive over to this. There's only this one convenience store that had my wife's favorite ice cream. Okay, can I say this real quick? Gentlemen, if you want our, our ladies to treat us like a king, we got to treat them like a queen. Amen. So I was willing to make that extra drive to get over to where my wife's favorite ice cream was. I want to honor her. I want to honor you. I big time want to honor her. So I go there, man, and I walk into this convenience store. I go in, I, I grab the ice cream, I, I go, and I'm standing behind this one person. And, and when I'm standing there, all of a sudden the doors open up, kind of like the double doors y'all got back here. The doors opened up, and two men walked in. Now, listen, I love being around people. Me and Ethan were talking about that earlier, man. I, I love being around people. People don't freak me out. I enjoy it. But when these guys walked in, it literally felt like evil blew in that room, right? And I'm not over-spiritualizing this. It felt like hot wind blew in that place when the door opened up and those guys walked in. And I know Holy Spirit spoke to me. It says, Scott, get out of here. These guys have got a gun. But one of the guys, they, they walk over by me and the one guy stops and he looks down. I've got like these hiking boots on. And um, he looks at me, he goes, hey dude, what kind of shoes are those? I said, man, I, I don't even know. He goes, where'd you get those? I said, you know, like I know all my shopping stuff. I said, it's San Antonio someplace. He goes, dude, seriously, those are really cool looking. And I was like, and it put me at ease. Right then the guy reached over, grabbed a bag of chips, looked at the lady uh, behind the counter and goes, are these 75? The lady goes, yeah, he doesn't get in line. He just throws three quarters out and him and his friend go and stand by the door. So they're standing at the door, lady in front of me pays, I pay for the two ice creams, I start walking out, and one of the guys goes, hey man, which direction are you going? I said, well, I'm heading down the street this direction. And it was a wet, wet, cold, nasty night, man, in Texas, in Fort Worth, and, and uh, he said, could you give us a ride? Now, just hold on, hold on. Keep in mind, man, two things. One, I'm from small town Texas. Somebody has a need, you meet it. The other thing was, guess where I was? I was in Fort Worth. Why was I in Fort Worth? I was going to seminary. Why was I going to seminary? To learn how to tell people about Jesus. So here's an opportunity. So the guy goes, which way are you heading? I said, I'm heading down the street this direction. Can we have a ride? Sure, come on. Not only am I going to be a nice guy, I'm going to share Jesus with these jokers. Because baby, they in my car, they're going to hear the gospel. So they get in the car, we drive down the road, small town. Now, the weird thing, they both got in the back seat. I thought that was kind of weird. Nobody got in the front seat. So I'm talking to them in the rearview mirror. I'm like, man, so what are you guys up to tonight? Yeah, not much, huh? Yeah, it's kind of cold out there, isn't it? All right, small talk. We drive down the street. Guy finally goes, hey, man, take a ride up here. Take a ride. He goes, hey, yeah, just right up here. Just pull in behind this car. So pull in behind this car. I put the car in park. Now it's my turn, right? I put the car in park. I'm about to turn around. I start turning around. We're going to start talking about Jesus. When I put the car in park, I start to turn around. And immediately, I see the light and the car go on. And I look at the light. And then I look back. 
they both jumped out of the car. It's like the rapture, right? They were gone. They just both jumped out of the car, took off. I was like, dude, no, thank you. And I didn't get the chance to share. This is a bummer. By the time I start turning back around to the steering wheel, the guy had already run to the front of the car, opened the car door, and had the pistol in my face. And he said, get out of the car. And right there, God starts speaking to my heart. And he said, dude, you're getting robbed. He goes, get out of the car. I got out of the car, and he goes, give me your money. And I said, dude, you see the ice cream sitting there on that seat? That's how much money I got. It wasn't the guy with the gun that was freaking me out. It was the other dude. The other guy was tripping. The other guy the whole time was just going, shoot him, man. Just shoot him now. Just shoot him. He goes, get face down on the ground. And the moment he said that, man, something happened on the inside. And I just went, nah. I said, dude, I'm, I'm a Christian. I said, if I die right now, I go straight to heaven. And I turned my back to him. And I said, you're going to have to shoot me in the back. Now, I'll tell you where I'm at, my mind, when this is happening. I'm thinking, I'm about to go home. Dude, I've prayed to Jesus. I have worshiped Jesus. I've asked Jesus. But this, seriously, this is about to get real. This is about to get, I'm, I'm about to see the Son of God. I'm about to see God in the real. This is about to happen. I, the only thing I could compare it to was being a little kid on Christmas Eve. Remember, you're a little kid on Christmas Eve, your parents are going, just go to sleep. By the time you go to sleep, you're going to wake up in the morning. All the family and friends and presents are going to be here. And you're like, oh, go to sleep. I was so stinking excited. And the guy said, I ain't going to shoot you in the back. I said, you're going to have to. He goes, I ain't going to shoot you in the back. I said, dude, you're going to have to. And I literally thought what's going to happen is I'm going to hear that gun go off. I'm going to hear the first part of the gun go off. And then I'm going to see God. I mean, it's just going to be like, Jesus. Right? Last time he said, I ain't going to shoot you in the back of the head. I heard this little still small voice, just very still small voice go. You're not going to die. And right when I heard that voice, the gun barrel hit me in the back of the head, and he fired twice. And I died. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That didn't happen. I just want to mess with you there for a second. But the gun barrel did hit me in the back of the head, and he did fire twice at point blank. It felt like somebody took a baseball bat and just smacked me in the back of the head. I, I dropped down onto my one hand, and he stepped back, and he shot me a third time, just right in the shoulder. Again, it felt like somebody took a two-before and just, just pounded me. But I was still alive. I stand up, man, and I, I see the guys getting my car, driving off, stealing my car. And for the first time, I look around, and I realize I'm in a bad neighborhood. I walk over to this one house, and I hear people inside, and I start banging on the door, Nobody comes to the door. Can I say this real quick? There are some times when we are banging on the door, we're trying to get a door to open, and God's going, wrong house. Wrong house. And you're upset going, how come nobody's coming out? And God's still going, because you're banging on the wrong house. 
So nobody, nobody came to the, to the door. So I walked across the street now. At this point, man, my head is pounding. I got blood running down the back of my head. I can barely hear. I walk over to the next house. I start banging on the door. Light comes on on the porch. And I'm like, I wonder what kind of people live here. Door opens up and there's two seminary students inside studying for exams. They come outside. I tell them what happened. They said, dude, come in and call. I called the police. They said, we're sending an ambulance over to you. I said, I don't want an ambulance. They said, you've been shot. I said, yeah. They said, you don't want an ambulance. And all I kept thinking was, I don't have insurance. And I just want to go home. I'm fine. So the cops come in. We fill out all the paperwork. But then I had to call my wife. I had to tell her. I had to call my wife. I called Renee up. She's like, you Okay. I'm fine. I think God's going to forgive me for this one. I said, I'm fine. I said, listen, the car got stolen. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Car got stolen. I'm here with the police. I'll be home in a minute. You okay? Yeah. Fill out all the paperwork with the police. The police took me home. I just, I just, I just wanted to be home. That's what it was. I get home and, and Renee, she walks outside and I knew she was okay because she walked outside and goes, where's the ice cream? <laughs> I said, babe, let me, let me share with you something that happened tonight. We go inside and tell Renee the story. Can I tell you this? You go into the fire, God, God has those times where he'll just, he'll pour out that grace. He'll just calm you down. And Renee was just calm, perfectly calm. She had that grace on her. She goes, turn around. Let me see the back of your head. I turned around and she says, Scott, it looks like somebody took a ball pin hammer and just smacked you in the back of the head twice. There's like two wounds back here. It's like oozing, but there's no penetration. She goes, take off your coat because I want to pour peroxide on the back of your head. So like I said, it was a cold night. I had on this big old flannel uh, t-shirt and a, and, a, and a jacket over that and another t-shirt. I took all those off. And when I did, she goes, what is that? I said, what? And I looked in the mirror. I had blood running down my shoulder. Totally forgot about my shoulder. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I walked over to my jacket. I still, I still can see it. Sitting on, my, on the chair. I pick up this jacket, man. I take my little finger and I put my finger through the hole in the jacket. I was ticked. It was a brand new jacket. <laughs> and people ask me the question, man. Dude, what happened? And all I can say is the protection of God. All I can say is I could hear later, weeks later, Jesus speaking to my heart saying, Scott, I'd have loved to have brought you home. I'd have loved to have brought you home and we could have been face to face. And I would have if Father didn't have a game plan. And because he's got a game plan, you're still here. So can I speak this to every one of us men in this room? You're still here because God's still got a game plan for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. Can I tell you something? Daddy's not done yet. So what did happen for years, I literally thought those were blanks. I just, you know, because when you shoot a gun with blanks, there's a wadding that comes out. And I was speaking at a church one time, and I, and I shared that story. And I had a guy come up, and he introduced himself. He said, I work with the FBI and the ballistics department. He goes, you know, Scott, your, your, your first 
shot in the back of the head. That, that kind of makes sense. Maybe that wadding came out and you got those two little powder burns and wounds, but your third shot doesn't make sense. For that guy to step back, for him to shoot, for it to go through your jacket, your flannel shirt, your t-shirt, and then bust again, he goes, I, I, I can't explain that with a, with a uh, blank. So to be honest, I just kind of put it down as the grace of God and just went on with life. It wasn't until years later, years later, that I took my first senior pastor position and we were about to uh, start a building campaign and the, the uh, bank that we were working with said, hey, we, we want a full examination on your senior pastor. So get him to the doctor and we need to head to toe. We need to know he's in good shape. So I went there and took x-rays and I go to meet the doctor right after I took x-rays. Hadn't even met the doctor, just took the x-rays, walked in and the doctor, first thing he said to me, we hadn't even met, first thing he said to me was, dude, when were you shot? I was like, what? He goes, when were you shot? And right then I looked behind him and there were my x-rays on the wall and all I could see was this little glowing dot. I said, no way. I walked over there, man, to those x-rays, and just right there on my shoulder, man, of the x-ray, there was this little glowing dot of this bullet just embedded in my shoulder. And I looked at the doctor, I said, dude, actually, I was shot three times, twice in the back of the head. He runs over, man, he, now he's excited about all this. He takes down that x-ray, he puts the x-ray up, man, of a profile of my skull, and there on my skull are mushroomed up against my skull two bullets. Just, man, they, they broke skin, just like Renee said. They broke skin and just mushroomed right against the skull. They didn't break through. So the doctors over years, because I had cancer, that we survived. And when the doctor found out about my bullets, he goes, dude, I can't even give you a full CT scan. Can't do a full MRI because, you know... <laughs> MRI is a big magnet. Last thing I kind of want to do as your husband died, was it cancer? No, it was the big magnet. <laughs> and a couple of bullets went through his head. So the doctor said, hey, Crenshaw, do you want us to take out those bullets? I said, don't. He said, you want us to leave the bullets there? I said, yeah. He said, Why? I said, because I have those days where I get up and I don't feel like I have purpose. I have those times where I listen to the lies of the enemy that God doesn't really have a game plan for me now. And all I do is I reach back like I'm doing right now and I feel one of those bullets. And I rub that little bad boy. And it just reminds me of this. If I got a pulse, I got a purpose. Now, I hope that today you'll just hear these words and receive them. Because I don't need you going out there getting shot today for God to have to say, I was serious about what he said. <laughs> I just felt like I needed to share that with you guys. So let, let's share our last session. Last session together. Session number one, the climb. There's mountains. And your marriages and your finances and your understanding what it is to be a man. We have our mountains. But God has already said, it's my agenda for you to go make these mountains. God also said, I'm going to form your feet to give you hinds feet for high places so that you can enable the heights. 
but it's not going to be easy. Then in our last session, we talked about this. First session was the climb. The second session, second session was there's no perfect climb. We're going to have mistakes. And guess what? Other people in our lives, in our churches, in our homes have made mistakes as well. But God's saying, I'm going to take you through that. And I want to bring about healing in every single one of you. Last session that I simply want to ask this is as we talk about base camp. What kind of people do you have in your base camp? The people that you have in your life, what kind of people do you have in your base camp? Next question, what kind of people do you want in your base camp? Last question, what kind of person are you in somebody else's base camp? That's for you, Paul. So those are the three questions, man, that I want to finish up with here today. So two passages I want to take you guys to. Two just real quick. If you're taking notes, just write this down. Just write down Luke 5, John 5. Luke 5, John 5. Those are the two passages, man, we're going to run to real quick, man, as we hit this last session together. So first off, I'm going to start off with this. The scripture says this. Scripture says, and sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate Pool, which is Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, uh, which is surrounded by five colonnades. Uh, uh, and here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there as an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there uh, and learned that he had been in that condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well? Sir, the invalid said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down before me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his, his mat and he left. Whoa. Love this story. Incredible story, man. Here's this man who's been an invalid for 38 years. And he's laying by this pool called Bethesda. Now, here's what's going on. It was believed by the people that angels would come down and they would stir the water. And whoever was the first person to get in the water after the waters were stirred, that person got healed. And so here's this man and he's been there for 38 years and he's never been able to get in. And Jesus walks up to him. Jesus walks up to him, and he asks him this question. To me, one of the craziest questions, but it makes sense. He walks up to an invalid and says, do you want to be made well? Is it, somebody, come on. That's Jesus walking up to the blind man saying, what can I do for you? Well, Jesus, I, I want to snowboard. No, no way. I'm, I'm talking to a blind man. I'm talking to an invalid. And Jesus asked the question. Why does Jesus do that? Because there's the question of what is it that's really on your heart? Do you want to be set free? Jesus asked this man the question. And then what did the man do? Instead of just going, yes. That's an easy question. Do you want to be set free? Yes. You know what this guy did? Excuses. Excuses. Well, didn't even say yes. 
Jesus asked him, do you, do you want to be made whole? And the guy goes, well. Every time the waters are stirred, somebody else gets in the water before me. So many times, tell me if I'm missing this, so many times we make excuses of why we're not rising up as the men we're supposed to be. We make excuses of, man, how come you're not walking in freedom? How come you're not teaching yet in your church? You've been here for this long. How come you're not serving yet? And we can come up with our excuses. But Jesus is going to come to us and he knows exactly where our heart is. And he looks at this man. And and what's interesting is this man, I I want to throw kind of two thoughts here. First off is this, did did this man reach out to God? This invalid who's there, I mean, I'm, I'm asking the question. I wonder, did that invalid reach out to God? Or maybe he did reach out to God in the beginning. Maybe year one, two, five, seven, maybe, could it be that this guy got worn down? Is there any of us as as men, there were prayers, there were visions, there were passions that you had. Could it have been that when you and I, when we first got married to our wives, that we had a vision of us having a godly relationship? But over years, it just didn't really go that way. And so somewhere along the way, we just settled. Do we do that in our homes? Do we do that with visions that God gave you? Visions that maybe God even gave you for this church. And you prayed, but you didn't see it happen immediately. And so you got tired and you got worn down. Maybe there's a bondage area of your life and you prayed to God, God, I want you to take this away from me. God, I want you to set me free from this area. But it hasn't happened yet. And you got worn down. Could you be maybe like this invalid and do we get tired? Can I ask you this? Do we get tired of waiting? We're horrible at waiting. Dude, we got our fast food restaurants and you get ticked off at your McDonald's and it's like over three minutes. What is the deal? We... We are not good with the waiting. Is, is there some area, can I ask you this? Is there some area of your life right now as we speak that you've lost hope in? That you used to pray for? There are some of us in this room that maybe in your 20s, college, whenever it was, you, you had this fire for God and you desire for God to bring that back and you've asked for that and nothing's happened yet and you've lost hope I wonder I wonder my friends if this invalid I wonder if he prayed to God I wonder if he prayed God I'm I'm here I'm having to beg I, I don't think this is the life you want for me I wonder if he asked God God will you heal me and when things didn't happen the first year the fifth year the seventh year I am going to continue to do that Stay. (laughs) Stash is just going to come up here and just, all right, man, go for it. (laughs) Could it be that over time we lost hope in things that we were praying for, that we were believing God for? 
Some of you have been praying for your child. And they got worse into the drugs. They ran further from God and we started losing hope. You got a son, you got a daughter, you got a grandson, a granddaughter. And you didn't see it happening so you started losing hope. Could that be some of us in this room right now? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out. But see, let me, let me tell you what else the invalid said. Because what the invalid said next was, his next excuse was, nobody here will help me in. Some of us don't have friends that can help us to Christ because they've never been to Christ. Me and my wife this last summer did something we'd never done before. We, we, we did an all-inclusive vacation. I'd never done one of those before. I know some of y'all have been. I've heard from you, and it, you sound great, so we were like, let's try it. It's like, I'm going to write this big paycheck up front, go to the hotel, all the food's paid. Man, I got like eight restaurants at this place. We, and my wife, her whole thing was she'd been so stressed, she just wanted to kind of get to the beach. She just wanted to have pool boys come and wait on her all the time. Yes, bring me a burrito. Yes, bring me another Diet Coke. I mean, that was her vision. She was excited about that. And you know what ticked my wife off? When we couldn't get a pool boy's attention. Well, pool boys were over there and they were over there. We couldn't get these stupid pool boys to come over and help us out. I got a question for you. How many of us in our life, the base camp that you got is made up of pool boys? Because here's this invalid. He's hanging out and he's going, I need some help. And what do I got around me? I got pool boys. I got people, tell me if I'm missing this, gentlemen. I got people that they're so focused on their life and their world, they're not there for you. Some of us, man, our base camp is made up of pool boys. Let me take, can I take you to another place just real quick? So, we can look at pool boys, but there's, an, there's another group of people that we read about in Luke chapter 5. And the cool thing is, it's another paralytic. It's another man. I want you to see this. The picture of the paralytic is somebody that's in need, just like every one of us, right? That's, that's the picture of the paralytic. This guy, this guy's different. This guy's, he's not working with pool boys. This guy has got some friends who... They're carrying him around on, a, on, on like a pallet. They're carrying him around on a stretcher because they're friends in need. He's paralytic. And these guys, whoo, these guys are different because they're looking at their friend. Number one, they realize he's got a need. My friend's got a need. But number two that I love about these guys is these guys are going, needs are met by Jesus. We need to get you to Jesus. Amen. Baby, I love having me some friends like that. I love having me some friends that are saying, Scott, you got an issue. All right, what do we pray about? Scott, you got an issue here. What does the scripture say? I love having some friends who are saying, we need to get you to Jesus. So these guys, they grab their friend on the stretcher. They go over to where Jesus is. Now keep in mind, Jesus is teaching at this house. But at this point in the story, Jesus is rock star status. People are flocking to him. People are going, dude, this is real. Can I say something? That's what I want to hear about this church. I want to hear people say, listen, I'm not talking about religion. There's something happening at that church. 
These men are getting changed. I'm, I'm hearing from wives and they're giving testimonies about my husband's different. Give me something real. Baby, we don't need tradition. We don't need religion. I won't get up on Sunday morning for religion. But you have Jesus show up. I'll get up for that. And these men, these men were taking their friend, the paralytic, they were taking him over to Jesus where Jesus is teaching at this house. But because people were hungry for something real, that house was packed. You couldn't get in that house. There were people standing on the outside of the house, men just trying to look in. They're hungry for something real. Now, if his friends were pool boys, they'd be going, it's crowded, crowded in the house. Can't get in there. Come back later. We'll come back later. Later Later's good. Let me introduce you to another group of people. This last year, we had a major hailstorm in Fort Worth. I mean, I've been through some hailstorms, but dude, this was like 40 minutes of nonstop just pouring hail. I had 347 dents in my car, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, we had hail. You know who we heard from the next day? Roofers. <laughs> Baby, next day, my, my doorbell kept getting rung every 10 minutes. Why? Roofers are going, we're here. You got a need? You got a hurt? We're here. Can I tell you something? What you need in your life, every one of us needing at our base camp, you need roofers. Huh? This is what I mean. The four guys that are carrying the paralytic, you know what they did? They went to the house and they said, dude, number one, you got a need. Number two, Jesus meets needs. Number three, we're here to get you to Jesus with whatever it takes. Because when these guys were carrying their friend man over to the house and they saw the house was all crowded, they didn't look at him. They didn't pull the pool boy. No, you know what the scripture says? These guys went, you ready? They went to the top of the house. Now, first off, what kind of trust does the paralytic have to have in these guys to say, yeah, let's go to the top. <laughs> There's got to be some trust there, baby. So they carry him all the way to the top of the house. And then I love this. They start digging through the roof to lower their friend in. And guys, y'all got to keep in mind, we're not talking about Gilligan's Island grass hut. We're talking about a tiled roof. They dig through that thing and they start lowering their, once again, trust. They start lowering their friend down. I want y'all to see this. In your base camp, you want roofers. You want people in your life. You want to be a part of a church where you got roofers, where guys are looking at you going, Dude, you just shared a need that you got in your life. So number one, you got a need. Number two, you're going to have men in this group at this base camp because they're being taught the word of God to say this, Jesus still meets needs. Woo, come on, baby. Don't give me that. I don't know if God does those things anymore. I don't know if God heals that way anymore. Jesus said this, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is a God that is still in the healing process, whether that's your heart, your mind, your body. And I need friends around me 
who aren't sitting here going, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. Dude, if I'm in the hospital room and you come in with that kind of faith, make a U-turn and just head out. I don't need people walking in my, my hospital room going, well, this doesn't look good. I guess all we can do now is pray. No, that's the first thing you do. That's the first thing. I need people with faith. You, you know what roofers have? Man, roofers are going to have faith because they go, dude, number one, you got a need. Number two, Jesus still meets needs. Now, if it really gets good, then you find other men who are tenacious and they won't give up on you. And they will stay on you like the, like the hounds of heaven. You got a need. Jesus meets needs. We're going to get you to Jesus. There's some of you in this room right now. I, I guarantee it. Don't even know your story, but I already know this. There are men in this room right now that the, the reason you are in Christ is because there was somebody that didn't give up on you. There was somebody that kept pestering you. Oh, pestered you. It's like you would see them. You knew they were going to invite you to this church again. And you saw them at Walmart. You're like, oh, crap. And you tried to get away and they caught you. And they kept pastoring you and they kept telling you, man, I'm praying for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. And they weren't just doing this. They actually were praying for you. And guess where you are now? You're in Christ. Because you had some nasty, tenacious roofers. Their friend not only got healed, was forgiven, made complete in Christ. But what I want to talk about is the friends. And to be able to ask you this question, not only, not only, what kind of friends do you have? Because my friends, the, the truth is this, if we don't get roofers, we'll get people that will give us all kind of funky advice. Well, you know, Oprah said. Well, you know, Dr. Phil said. Baby, I need to know what Jesus said. And I need people that are going to be tenacious. I need those roofers who are saying, you got a need. Jesus meets needs. We're going to get you to Jesus. Final question I got for you is this. Who are you? Are you the pool boys? Are you roofers? Because I know every single one of us in this room, we hear this message and we say, you know what, Scott? I want roofers in my life. I want those kind of men of integrity. I want those kind of men who are going, dude, you got a need and Jesus meets needs and we're going to get you to Jesus, whatever it takes. Scott, I want those kind of, every one of us want those kind of men in our life. But my question to finish up this morning is this, but what kind of man are you? And I'm not going to beat you up this morning if you're saying, Scott, I, I'm, I'm not a roofer yet. Yet. You and I, I believe this, part of this base camp is to help us grow into the men that we want to be for others. I don't want us to build a church it's a consumer church. It's all about me. 
It's all about, listen, God's going to meet needs. But I believe this, what you end up doing for others, God is going to end up doing for you. And for us to be able to say, whatever gift I have received from God, this is 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you use whatever gift you have received to minister to others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I've been blessed that I've got these different men that are in my life that are roofers. I got men who will challenge me. And please, I want you to hear this too. Because so many times when we talk about this, we get this idea of these are just the people that encourage me and they pray for me. Hey, can I say this in love just real quick? These are also the kind of guys, <laughs> they'll punch you in the throat in the name of Jesus. In love, in love. I was teaching a group of college students these were guys that I was just pouring into. And I had this one guy, his name's Paul. And Paul's this huge guy. He, he is a big brother. He is big old tall brother, just thick. And Paul and I were running over to the grocery store. We were picking up something. And as Paul and I had grabbed our stuff and we were going to stand in line, you know, there's the, like all the magazine racks. You know what I'm talking about? All the stuff that's there and you got all the Skittles and everything on the other side. But all the magazines were there. And there's all the magazines hanging out and, and, and all these, you know, half-naked women on the, on the covers of it and stuff. And so, man, I'll just rip open my chest cavity. Man, I got up there in line and I just kind of glanced. I did the David thing. I glanced once and then I just, man, I just kept staring. And I'm looking at all these chicks on all these magazines. And all of a sudden I heard this voice. <laughs> and it wasn't God. Actually, it was God. It just sounded like Paul. And Paul just, he just pulls up beside me and leans over right by my head. And he goes, see anything there you need? And I was like, dang. <laughs> right? I'm the minister. You're the ministry, dude. Are you really? You got to call me out in love. Why? Because, Scott, you're in need. And Jesus meets needs. And I'm going to get you there. Those are the kind of men that we need in our life. Those are the kind of men we need in our life. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the men in this place. And I pray that we would get a hunger. We get, first off, a dissatisfaction if we got pool boys in our life. Guys that don't get you. Guys that aren't there for us when we really need the help. And, Master, I understand that there are going to be times when you want to do the miraculous yourself. You're not going to use people. That's what you did with the invalid at the pool. You bypassed man and you did it yourself. And Father, I know there's going to be times like that, but I know there's going to be other times that I need brothers in my life. I need them to help see areas of my life that I may be missing. I need them, Father God, to be able to bring encouragement to me when I feel discouraged. I need them to be able to speak truth into my life and love. But Father, at the same time, I want to be that kind of person. 
So I'm praying for the men in this room right now that we would be discontent if we're pool boys. And I pray we would get a hunger to be roofers. I pray we get a hunger, Jesus, to be there for other men in this church. But I pray we'd also be teachable. Because if we're not teachable, we're not going to receive the things that you speak to us through these other men. So right now, thank you. Father, I pray blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray a blessing on this house. I thank you, Father God, for Pastor Mark. I thank you for the man of God that he is. I thank you for what the vision that you've put inside of him to see men come to you. Thank you for Trevor. Jesus, thank you so much for Paul heading this up. And I pray blessings in the name of Jesus Christ on them. I pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years. And Father, I also pray for the men of this house. There are mountains standing before us that you're calling us to and that you're giving us direction how to climb it. So thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I speak this, the best is yet to come. So Father, thank you for what these men are bringing to the table. Be glorified in it. And Jesus, we just say to every one of these men, welcome to base camp. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. Can we just do this real quick? Can we give God applause in this place? What he's been doing this weekend. What he's been speaking to our hearts individually. God, you are good. You are worthy of praise. The best is yet to come. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lamb of God. You guys, awesome. Oh my gosh. That was, that was all, oh man, that was incredible. You guys, let's, uh, let's all give one big round of applause for Scott for, for taking the time out of his schedule to come and be with us today, last night, and sharing with us that story. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about that, uh, those bullets he's carrying in him. Man, TSA must be a murder for you. I thought it was bad with the metal in my knee, but... <laughs> all right. Hey, so uh, we're going to eat here in just a few seconds. We, uh, hopefully the ladies are in there getting things ready, and find out here in a sec. I see Pastor Mark just dove back there, so we'll see how things are going. I, uh, I, I was really, really excited. To, uh, Scott was talking about, uh, you know, base camp as being part of Mount Everest, you know, because that's, I've, I don't know, I, you can see me limp, but that's always been something I thought, man, Mount Everest, how would that be to climb like that? I mean, I, I do pretty good if I can climb the four miles up the Delicate Arch down in Moab. I, I consider that great, but man, Mount Everest, how would that be? So I start studying on it a little bit, and I want you guys to think about something for a second. Base camp at Mount Everest takes 12 days to reach. You fly into Kathmandu, take a few bus rides, and then you hike for 12 days just to reach base camp. Yeah, it's not, it's not an easy thing. So think about it today. You're at base camp. You're there. You've accomplished 12 days with a hard work. You've got just to reach that peak. Base camp is where we're going to begin. It's where we're going to end each and every day. So keep that in mind. I'm so excited that you guys are here.